everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of The Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And we are recording here Saturday morning because we've been so busy this week. We had to push into the weekend, so it's nice to be with you, Chris. It's great to be here in the morning. Yeah. And um, we thought we'd start by a little follow-up, letting people know, um, for those of you who listened to episode 20, we did have a book giveaway that we were doing um, to celebrate every 10th episode. We've decided to do a giveaway, and we had our winners. Um, we had the 10th emailer was Stacy from Virginia. Congratulations, Stacy! And the 20th was Nan from Vermont. And we want to thank everybody else who entered the giveaway. Um, we'll be having another one seven episodes seven from now. Seven episodes only. Yeah. <laughs> thank you all for entering and yeah, for listening. It was really fun. And we also want to remind you that we are starting a Grapes of Wrath read-along. I did get an email from someone saying, you know, what does that mean, a Mm read-along? And what it means is essentially that Chris and I are going to be doing a joint read of the Grapes of Wrath. So we're encouraging any listeners who are interested to read the book as well. And if you have any questions or comments that you'd like us to talk about, We'll be recording the episode um, kind of mid-August, so if you could have any of your questions or comments to us by August 17th, that would be be great. great. Because we'd love to incorporate listeners' questions and ideas and and thoughts on the book. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's just, you know, love Steinbeck, don't love Steinbeck, whatever it might be, we'd love to hear from you. And and all side, you know, bloggers, podcast, everybody has their own, what do you call it, their own way of doing read-alongs. Right. Sometimes they read chunks of the books going along. We're reading the whole thing and then talking about the whole thing all at once. Yes, and if time allows, maybe watching the movie as well. Exactly, yeah, about that. like we did with The English Patient. That right. was a lot of fun. It was, and it really yeah. changed our outlook on the book, so it'll exactly. be interesting to see if we have time to do that, if, if we have the same experience yeah. with Grapes of Wrath. And Chris, so. you had a couple things you wanted to talk about, too, before we dive in. Yeah, I just um, I wanted to let everybody know, we had um, Laura Toma, my wife, on a couple episodes ago. She was talking about her new workbook, Mastering the Art of Self-Expression, And I just wanted to let local folks know that it's now also available at Breakwater Books here in Guilford. That's pretty exciting. And it's now also available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Fantastic. Yeah, we're pretty excited that it's getting out there to people. And I'll put that in the show notes. Um, So if you want just some hot links to go straight to the book, that, that will be available on our show notes for episode 23. Awesome. And I wanted to kind of toot my own horn a little bit and let readers know, or listeners, I should say, that um, I'm now reviewing for the site Criminal Element, which is a great website that reviews books, uh, mysteries, crime fiction, true crime, all of the above. And uh, so they review the books. They sometimes do previews of the books. They have Q&A with the authors. They do post some original fiction. So it's just a great site. And I've been a fan slash reader of theirs for years. Uh, they also do sweepstakes giveaways, Ooh, which are really great. And sometimes it's uh, around one author or sometimes it's around a subject or something like that. And I actually won one of their sweepstakes, I don't know how many years ago, but back when I was uh, living in, in Illinois. Oh, how so, fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a great site, and I'm really proud to be part of their team. Congratulations. Yeah, and your you. first review was um, of Stasi Child, yeah, right? Yeah, Stasi Child yeah. by David Young, the book I talked about um, episode 21 yeah yeah so yeah Yeah. that's a lot of fun and other book news this was a big thing for the uh literary world the new york times um book reviewer machoko 
Kakutani, mm-hmm. I think that's how you say her name. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, announced that she will be retiring from her position as book reviewer. Yeah. Which is huge because she's been there for something like 40 years. Yeah. And I know, you know, they, a lot of people always talk about how she can make or break someone's literary career or certainly a book. Yes. <laughs> um, because she could be read as, as very harsh and eviscerating. In part, I think, because she never uses I. She never approaches a book from, like, an I statement. Mm. So I think it, it gave her reviews this kind of, like, godlike quality. Of like, this yeah. is not my opinion. This is the reality of what this book is. Right. And I think people love that or they don't. They don't mm-hmm. appreciate it. I, I, I don't know. Were you a fan? Are you a fan of her reviews? I, you or? know, I didn't have... I, I knew of her, and I knew a lot of people would accuse her of not really liking fiction, oh, <laughs> you know, which yeah. was kind of funny because she reviewed a lot of fiction. Um, I think people loved her or kind of hated, hated her. her yeah. I mean, people yeah. use that big H word with her a lot. And yeah. I mean, I admired the fact that she was known for, like, she really made, or I should say, no, she didn't make it because people did their own writing, but she jumped off a lot of people's careers, like Jonathan Franzen is a perfect example, but she also wasn't afraid to review one of the their books and say, this one's not good. Right. And I think in a certain way that gives people more clout because mm-hmm. they're being honest about their opinions, Absolutely. you know. So yeah. she certainly wasn't a sellout, let's yeah. just say that, yeah. you know. Absolutely. And so she is still going to be writing, um, but focusing more on, on issues that she's really passionate about writing about. So, yeah. And an interesting fact, her last um, review for the New York Times is that book, Stay With Me. Is that what it's called? By Ada Ayobami. Yeah. The one that I just finished reading. Yeah. Yeah, Ayobami Adebayo. Yeah. So you can look that one up and see what she thought of it. I haven't looked yet. Just read. Just just read. read. I just finished A Man Called Uva by Frederick Bachman. My friend Jim gave this to me to read, and um, it was lovely. It's a it's the character is a little bit of a curmudgeon, and lives in this kind of uh, planned community that he sees. He's kind of in charge of making sure that people follow the rules there. He's Mm -hmm. it's very important to him that people follow rules. So. You, you first start reading the book and think, oh, this guy's kind of a jerk. But then there's, of course, tons of backstory as to how he became who he is. And there's a little new family that moves into his, quote, stayed life that really shakes things up. They've got young children and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's really a book that talks, that speaks to the fact that you can, life can bring you surprises, you know, at any point along the way. And it, your life can be enriched by people who move into your life or near your life and I think we can kind of attest to that as people who have made a geographic change in our lives and all of a sudden there's all these new people in your life that weren't there last year you know and you're a perfect example of that yeah so um I really enjoyed it I just thought it was a lovely it's it's very well written um I I really tore through it. I probably read it in maybe three sittings. And if you like his writing, he has 
a good list of books. I mean, I plan to put another one on my list very soon. So You're good. Excellent. Yeah. So how was it compared to the movie? You know, interestingly, then I rewatched the movie. I think I had talked about in episode 21 that I had watched the movie mm-hmm. because it was in my movie club, and I kind of don't like to watch movies before I read the book. So I yeah. had thought I wasn't going to read the book. Yeah. And then when Jim handed it to me, I was like, well, of course I'm going to read it now. <laughs> and um, so I read it, and then I had a friend here last week who said, oh, I haven't seen that movie. Let's watch it. So we watched it, and I thought the movie was good, but the book was definitely richer in character. Mm-hmm. You know, they left out some of the character storylines, and um, but I thought that the guy who played Ova was really good because it's a tough character to play to be kind of a curmudgeon, right. you know. Yeah. Um, so I recommend both, but I definitely recommend reading the book first, absolutely. as I typically do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's usually my goal too. Yeah. Read yeah. the book first. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've only finished one book. Oh, wow. Since our last episode, and that was the going and goodbye by oh, Sheila Cowood. Yeah, Kaywood. 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 Yeah, and um, and that we had her on as an author spotlight last episode, episode twenty two. And uh, as I said there, I really enjoyed the memoir, and it's still on my mind a lot. And I haven't reviewed it yet on my blog, but I'm percolating Ooh, what I want to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll link to your um your review because I I for oh, that's what I wanted to mention also in one of our follow ups is. For anyone who did listen to episode 22 with Shuli, we had a little author spotlight with her, and it was our first time using the telephone to record. And so the sound quality is definitely different than our typical, um, you know, recording style. But if you stuck in with it, um, Shuli, fortunately, was very clear, I thought. Yes. Uh, Chris and I, were our our voices were a little muddled. But, um, you know, I do think that... We, you know, we're still learning how to yes. do an author spotlight, and so um, if you had any questions about what the book was actually about, maybe in, your review will help enlighten people. Absolutely. Because um, we, we kind of talked more about Shuli's writing process and things like mm-hmm. that. So when Chris gets her review done, we will link to that, so, right. so yeah. look for that. Yeah. Cool. Well, I finally finished reading to my sister aloud <laughs> The Tincture of Time, a memoir of medical uncertainty by Elizabeth L. Silver. Um, obviously, this is a memoir. She is known for her debut novel as well, which was called The Execution of Noah P. Singleton, which was a fantastic book. I read that when it came out. She is a lawyer, and I have said before, I really mm-hmm. like lawyers and the way they write. Um, she's very smart, and her memoir is an incredibly smart smartly written book. Mm-hmm. What it's about is that her daughter at the age of six weeks had um, a seizure essentially and was she took her to the hospital and long story short she had a brain bleed and so the memoir is very much about the process of the uncertainty of her diagnosis it took a really long time for them to diagnose what happened to her and even once they diagnosed it the neurologists were like we think this is what happened and a lot of the good news about a child that experiences a brain bleed versus an adult is that children's brains are still forming. Mm-hmm. Literally, you know, they have the fontanel on the top of their head that is the soft spot that people refer to, and your skull is literally still forming when you're a kid. Yeah. So Crazy. a lot of the memoir is about that. and um, but, but a lot of the memoir is about uncertainty and how we handle uncertainty in our life. And so I just wanted to read this brief little part of the book because one of the things I've always talked about with medicine is that doctors practice medicine. Mm -hmm. And that word practice, I think, is very important 
to uh, for us to remember because they don't always know. Right. And we want to go to a doctor and be told what's wrong with us. Exactly. And I think, you know, a lot of people talk about doctors having a God complex and mm-hmm. you know, they think they, they know everything. And mm-hmm. I think it's that pressure comes from the people who want answers, who are desperate for answers, which you know, I, I've been in that situation. Mm-hmm. I want to know. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. And they don't. And, and I think that God complex goes both ways. Yes, yeah. that's true. And a lot of us want immediate Yes. You know, like I want the antibiotic that's going to fix me tomorrow so I can go back to work or whatever. Mm -hmm. So so this is just a little brief thing I wanted to read where she said, a differential diagnosis is the systemic diagnostic tool used by physicians to weigh the possibility of one disease versus another based on symptoms. Stedman's Medical Dictionary defines it as the determination of which two or more diseases with similar symptoms is the one from which the patient is suffering by a systematic comparison and contrasting of the clinical findings. Linguistically, it is a singular plural, the finding of one diagnosis based on the possibility of many. In practice, it is a process of eliminating those many over testing and analysis to produce a singular finding. A differential diagnosis for something as simple as a cough may be a short or comprehensive list of all the possible conditions resulting from that one symptom. The omnipresent mobile phone app Diagnosaurus provides simple differentials for doctors. For example, cough, acute, reveals the following differential. 1. Viral upper respiratory infection. 2. Bacterial upper respiratory infection. 3. Postnasal drip. 4. Pneumonia. 5. Pulmonary edema from congestive heart failure. 6. Pulmonary embolism. 7. GERD. 8. Asthma nine, side effects of drugs, and so on. The doctor must then begin to eliminate some of those conditions by questions, by testing, and additional physical examination. So that just gives you an example of, you know, like there's a process of elimination that doctors have to go through, and they tend to try to look at the simple things first, but it can be a laundry list of things. Right. So here this, this couple walks into the emergency room with a six-week-old baby, which I'm here to tell you, when you have a six-week-old, you don't understand anything that your baby's doing yet. Yeah. You know, a cry is a cry. But um, they knew something was wrong, and then they ended up in this long, years-long, you know, process of trying to figure out what happened to her. And then with the brain kind of waiting to see if she would have any long-term impacts and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. It was very well written. And it was a fun process to read aloud to my sister. So That's great. Yeah, so finally finished it. Now, can you stitch together all those voice memos that you sent to your sister and have your own version of the book? In a way oh, that, you know, that's funny. I, I mean, wonder... I know copyright and stuff. Yeah, yeah just, exactly. You know. Yeah, I'm publishing it tomorrow <laughs> or releasing it. Check out emilynarrates.com. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because I deleted them as I sent them. Oh, okay. So I wonder if my sister kept them. I don't know. Oh, interesting. But, yeah. Because yeah. I've, I've just gotten a new phone, but my old phone, I had a lot of storage problems. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten in the habit, I guess, over the last couple of years of just, just deleting exactly. the files that are big. Yeah. But that's funny. I suppose I could look through my emails because I did email them to her. But oh, okay. um, yeah, so it's kind of fun. And she, when I finished, she was like, "You know, I'm sad. Can we do another one?" So <laughs> I told her I need to get caught up on some of my 
backlist of my yeah. reading log, like Grapes of Wrath, for example. Right. Um, but then I would love to do it again because it was really fun. So I have another book yeah, that I read. Um, it was called Mothers and Other Strangers by Gina Sorrell. And this was a debut novel that I learned about from Carolyn Levitt, who's the author of Cruel Beautiful World, which I talked about many episodes ago. She does a lot of um, book reviews, and I follow her on Facebook. And this is a book that she raved and raved about before it came out. And um, I actually bought it, which I don't buy books that often, but I just felt like, wow, I like um, Carolyn Lovett's writing a lot. And I just thought I'd read you the very first sentence of the book. My father proposed to my mother at gunpoint when she was 19, and knowing that she was already pregnant with a dead man's child... She accepted. Wow. That's the that first sentence. Gets your, gets your curiosity <laughs> peaked. Um, oh. I liked it. It was a story. Um, it wasn't a mystery, but there's mystery around this woman's, the main character's relationship with her mother. Mm-hmm. And her mother is a very distant mother, and her mother gets involved in a cult and um, kind of chooses her life with this cult over her life with her daughter and keeps her daughter at bay. And then um, in the book, very early on in the book, her mother passes away. And after her mother's death, she goes to kind of go through her things and starts to discover who her mother actually was and her mother's life and history. And her mother was actually had left a life behind. And I'm not going to talk any more than that because I don't want to ruin anything. Um, but I did enjoy it. I mean, I'm fascinated by the mother-daughter relationship. I've talked about that in the past. And... You know, we make decisions in our lives, and sometimes there is backstory to those decisions that we don't share with the people closest to us exactly. that yeah. you think would be the people that you should be sharing them with. But sometimes I think people do it to protect the people in their lives, and sometimes I think they do it just because they maybe don't have the um, ability to use their words to help explain what their struggles are and, and what their problems are in life, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think it can be a combination of that, you know, from based on who we are. And, right. So. Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, kids, depending on their age, they're even as adults, they're not really interested in their parents. Yes. They think that their parents have always been this monolithic thing when... I mean, think about your own life. I mean, we're mm-hmm. middle-aged and we've... You know, there are a lot of things in our past we don't talk about. Yes. Not because we don't want to, but we just, you just don't. Yeah. A lot, you know. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And I think, um, you know, as as your kids enter adulthood, then I think they there is kind of a little bit of a change of view where they can see you their parents as a little bit more as adults, mm-hmm. but you're still always looking at it through the lens of being their child. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So that's a really interesting point. Yeah, because yeah, now, I mean, with my dad being gone, I would love to sit down and ask him everything mm-hmm. about his younger years. And, you know, I yeah. hear stories from from his cousins and things like that, but yeah, not the same. No, it's true. I mean, I live here now where my dad went to Yale, you know, and mm-hmm. so sometimes when you and I are sitting in Sterling Library, I feel like, oh, I'd love to go home and call my dad and say, you know, did you sit in that library? And, well, you know, what was it like when you lived on campus? And, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So on to currently reading. Yeah, what are you currently I'm, reading? I'm currently reading a whole bunch of books, mainly because I didn't finish anything <laughs> yeah. the last two weeks because, um, well, life got busy and you know how that goes. So I am reading four books right now, Ooh, which is unusual yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading uh, Jack Be Quick, 
by Benjamin Thomas, mystery thriller. Emma by Jane Austen for Austen in August. The Talented Ribkins by Laddie Hubbard, which is really a great read. I'm about halfway through that right now. And then Queer There and Everywhere by Sarah Prager. And that's a book I talked about in the in a past episode. It's a collection of short biographies of queer people throughout history. And Sarah Prager is a Connecticut writer, so she's been doing tons of events in the area. But I actually bought the book at a store in Portland. Right. And because, yeah. So those are the four that I'm reading. And The Talented Ribkins, it's a great story. It's so engaging. It's about an elderly, elderly, he's in his 70s. I don't know what (laughs) adjectives to use before age anymore because the older you get, I say nineties are elderly now. Okay, yeah, personally, right. that's yeah. how I, that's my comfort <laughs> level. But but he's this seventy-ish um, African American man who has lived a life, a very interesting life. He was a math teacher for a while. He was in the civil rights movement in a very different way than most people would think, and he then lived kind of a life of crime with his brother. And this is a story about him traveling around, and I'm not going to say anything more because it's one of those great stories that kind of is unfolding, and I don't want to say too much. Um, but I will say this as a middle-aged person, granted he's at the tail end of middle age, you and I was talking with a friend the other day about how you recalibrate things as mm. you age, you know, mm-hmm. that when you hit certain ages, you can't necessarily do the things that you did in the same way as you did when you were younger. And there's a great scene in this book where he, uh, the character, is going to dig up something that he had buried years before, like 40 years before. So he paces off his paces, and it's not there. He paces off from another angle, not there. And then later on, he goes back out there, and he walks like he walked 40 years ago with the kind of cocky little lilt in his step. And the confident stride of a man who is, you know, in his 30s or 40s. And bam, it's right there where he thought it was. And I thought, see, that is like recalibrating for your age. Because you don't realize that maybe your your gait has changed. And it's just fascinating to me. That's great. Yeah, and I'm trying to really embrace the changes of middle age as, you know, because if you think about it, when you're a kid growing up, everybody's celebrating the changes in your body and in your abilities. And then... For some reason, we have this the arc of everything going downhill, and it's a sad thing. <laughs> and you want to fix it and get plastic. Some people want to get plastic surgery and whatnot, but I want to embrace the changes. Yeah. And, you know, it is shocking to look in the mirror, and you think, wow, I don't look like I think I look, but right. I want to embrace change that's a that's a good yeah. way of saying it. well i mean i think when you're going through puberty there's a lot of shock and awe yes. also like yes. what are these things in the middle of my chest but um and now it's like where are these things in my chest going now no i'm just kidding actually i'm not kidding but anyway no i mean i think it is interesting how our bodies are changing and how you know paying attention to it and mm-hmm. and uh being one with it, yeah. you know, I mean, I do Absolutely. think that that, and I noticed in our neighborhood that two new places are opening up and they're both like medical estheticians, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like get rid of those wrinkles and stuff. And I'm like, nah, I yeah. think I'll, I'll hang on to these, you know. You know, but, there's yeah. a blogger that I read. Um, she's, I think she's more of like a fashion slash lifestyle blogger. And she has, she's letting her hair gray naturally 
And some of her readers, you know, had harsh commentary like, you know, you should dye your hair, you look old, all these mm-hmm. mean kind of things. Mm-hmm. And she wrote this fabulous reply about why she's letting her hair gray naturally. For one, that's natural. That's what mm-hmm. happens. But when she married her husband, you know, they took vows to spend the rest of their lives together, to grow old together. And she's like, what does it mean to grow old together if I'm dyeing my hair and he's not? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we we chose to grow old together. So this is what happens when you age and you're aging together. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so beautiful in, yeah. in terms of relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on choices people make mm-hmm. and why. And, and just I think people are just so harsh yeah. about judging. You know, there's so much in the news about how young kids bully the shit out of each other about how they look and what they wear. But, I, you know, I think that never ends. I think people do it. Yeah. All the way up until... I think that's true. I mean, every time I'm letting my hair go gray, at least for now, mm-hmm. we'll see. But, um, and every time I go to the hairdresser, they're like, you know, we color hair here. Like, well, your hair looks really? awesome. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. But, no, I mean, it I, does. I mean, I do, like, in certain light, I'm like, wow, my hair is really gray now. Yeah. You know, because it was just like, oh, my hair's got some streaks of gray. Right. Now it's really gray, yeah. you know? And so it is, I mean, we'll see how I feel. Everyone says when you turn 50, it all changes. You know, we'll see. Well, yeah, know. it's interesting. I mean, I let my hair grow gray, and I loved my salt and pepper hair. Mm-hmm. I really did. And then a couple years ago, it really got more silver. hmm than anything mm-hmm. and I just wasn't ready for the whole entire silver look yeah. <laughs> I mean it's, it's beautiful hair I can't complain I'm, yeah. you know, my mom has a fantastic head of gorgeous white hair mm-hmm. um, but when somebody asked me hey would you like to take some candy for your grandkids I thought <laughs> hmm yeah you know no, then I thought then I started when you're in your 40s yeah well and now I'm really kind of having fun with it because I was never a girly girl I've always been the tomboy and so I never did things like pay attention to haircuts Mm -hmm. or try to experiment with my hair. So it's been kind of fun to have different dye and highlights, Mm -hmm. and now I'm letting it grow out for the first time in, like, 30 years. It looks good. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. 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 Well, that's interesting. What a great... um, I mean, I just love that when you read that book that you thought it through, you know, Mm -hmm. like how we change and how it's important to think back to, you know, who we are and how we... And I also... Personally, I love being wiser. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still have a lot to learn, and I still make plenty of mistakes, but I think being wiser is really fun. Yeah, so, it um, is. And helpful. I'll talk more about The Talented Ribkins when I finish the book, yeah, yeah. Um, because it is, there's so much good stuff in there, and it's, a, it's wonderfully written. Great. It's one of those stories that just sucks you right in, and you look forward to getting back to it. Oh, well, we'll look forward to hearing about it, hopefully, on the next episode. Yes. So I'm currently reading four books. Oh, wow. That's funny. Look at that. I'm reading The Twelve Lives of Samuel Hawley by Hannah Tinty. I don't know, Hannah Tinty or Hannah Tinty. A lot of people are talking about this book. Um, I ju- literally just started it yesterday, so I'm a couple chapters in, so I don't have much to say about it yet, except I'm excited it's for one of my book clubs. I'm also reading Leavings, which is a book of poems by Wendell Berry, as well as The Gift of Good Land by Wendell Berry. Actually, I guess I'm reading five. I forgot I had those two. <laughs> Um, I might have some more news about Wendell Berry coming up, which I'll know more on the next episode. And then I'm also reading um, Intimate Kisses, The Poetry of Sexual Pleasure, edited by Wendy Maltz. Nice. And this is a book I picked up that uh, Chris and I are going to talk about our Biblio Adventures next. I picked it up at a library sale. 
And I read to Chris from it on the drive home, and she got hot and bothered. <laughs> Should I read one of the poems, Chris? Sure. Really? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Look at that. She has that book I have dog-eared. It. Babies, I have it dog-eared, and I've been reading it aloud to Jim. <laughs> and that's the gentleman caller that's who now my, has a name. My gentleman caller now has a name. I asked his, his permission, and I do have it dog-eared. Because I read it when he's not here, and I dog ear it and read it to him when he's here. So this one's called A Simple Pleasure. The better part of morning is to lie waking knowing she is near and coming back. Her face washed alive, her hair brushed to comeliness and bright. When she eases the door quietly open again, almost sunrise flows through a pale ribbon. Her robe, too, is loosely tied. I slide away the sheet to make her space. She emerges from the falling robe, as gentle and sure as the morning sun, and I become the sky waiting on the day. By Joseph H. Ball. Pretty nice, huh? Very nice, yes. I love that line, I slide away the sheet to make her space. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. So sensual. Yes, we have been enjoying this book. <laughs> so I, I went to the erotic section of the book sale, and that's where I found that book. So Yeah, you don't often find erotic sections at, yeah. at library sales. Yeah. Should we move on to Biblio Adventures? Yes, absolutely. Let's just jump right yeah. in. That was um, Biblio Adventure at the Pequot Library in, what town is that in? Um... Uh, Southport? Southport, okay. I think it was Southport, Southport, Connecticut. That was the joint jaunt Chris and I were heading off to after recording episode 21. Yes. We got right in the car and drove down there. Chris did all the driving. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. It's known as the biggest library. The best. You know what? I looked, yeah. And and I don't know, maybe I did see the best, but when I went back and I looked at their Facebook page, it is actually the the best, Maybe best you, library sale in New England. Okay. Not necessarily the biggest, okay. but the best. And I mean, it was big. It, it was, was big, really and big. it was good. Yeah. Very well organized. Yes. And multiple tents, and they had it, you know, they had a list of which tents contained which subject matter, you know, what kind of books. Yeah, it was very organized yeah. in that way. Yeah. yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I out-purchased Chris. You did. Which doesn't typically happen. <laughs> I came home with a bag. Now, in my defense, I think five of them I got were for Jacob. But um, I found this Wendell Berry book of poems that I'm reading called Leavings. I found the Intimate Kisses book of poetry and many more. So yeah. it was a great trip. It was. I, I love that. I, I went around and I would pick some books up and then I would put them down. And then I had some hard conversations with myself. It's like, yes, this is a pretty book. Yes. But, you know, I'm I'm also in a space crunch and yeah. and also too like we talk about it like we want to get back to read the books that we have yeah. so I did um, make some hard choices but one of the finds I was really excited to find was a Willa Cather memoir written by Elizabeth Sargent mm. which I, I'm also reading that so I guess I'm reading five books too <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I started it right away oh, great. It's, just, it's just a neat read and um, but I did I it's still there next to my reading chair, but I, yeah. That's one you can pick up and put down, I would think. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. which I kind of like, I do like having a book like that in my repertoire, which yeah. actually is what I like about poetry books. Mm-hmm. 
Because you really, and essay, books of essays, because you can just go back to them. It's less pressure. Exactly. You know? And you can, you know, I with a novel, I always have to think, now, where am I? Right. What's going on? Oh, okay. Character so names, it's, yes, as I've said. It's that's not hard as for easy me. To, yeah. to jump back into that. So, yeah, that was a great book sale. Yeah, really and the library that. was beautiful. It's an old, beautiful library, and there was a nice Austin exhibit inside the library. Yeah, a Jane Austen exhibit yeah. that was neat. We, I took some pictures. Maybe we can... We'll oh, yeah. post some of that. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we did post any of yeah. those types of shots. But, yeah, it was really nice. And they have a wonderful auditorium that was built. It was late 19th century, I think, is when it was built. And acoustically, it's amazingly, it is. it has amazing acoustics. I think right. that's how you say that. And I know they have, like, piano recitals there. and Yeah, it'd be fun know. to go down and do something like that because you didn't get a feel for it as an auditorium because it was packed with packed books. Packed full of books. They had and books people. on the stage. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Yes, the erotic section was on the stage, on the which stage. I thought was really funny. <laughs> like, there's the big erotic sign. It was up there with a, another sign that said old and interesting. Yeah. So you had old and interesting and erotic. So <laughs> yeah, like... it's funny. <laughs> yes. So that was a great joint jaunt. We also had a quick little joint jaunt to the Guilford Library and we just did. sat and worked together, which yeah. I said to Chris, like, the one bad thing I feel like about me finishing school is we're doing less Maybe less work, <laughs> but like I mean, I feel like it was keeping both of us in order. Like, yeah. let's okay, I got to go every week to the library, so we we talk about getting back in that schedule when fall comes. I think we will in the yeah. fall. I think it's also summer upheaval. Yes, my schedule has changed drastically. I'm now working more in the evenings yeah. and everything. So yeah, yeah, we'll get back. That to That was it. nice though. Yeah. And then this past Thursday, both of us were at separate events. Do you want to talk about yours or? Sure. Yeah. Well, well, before that, I did go to the Benjamin Thomas event at the book club bookstore. Um, that author, he's the author of the book I'm reading Jack B. Quick. And he was in conversation with John Valerie. That was a really cool event. Nice. Yeah. So the, the event I went to on Thursday was the launch event for New Heaven Noir. Uh, that's the book edited by Amy Bloom that I've talked about from Akashic Books a collection of short stories with a noir edge to it. And there were, I think, 11 of the 15 contributors to that collection were there that night. Wow. So it was it was at the Institute Library in New Haven, which is cool. I'm a member there. It's a, a library that started as the Young Men's Institute back in, like, the 1830s, and it's been going strong ever since. Full house, it was standing room only. Like, they had chairs in the big main area, and then people were sitting and standing all the way back through the stacks, um, and they sold out of books. That's fantastic. very successful event. So Amy Amy Bloom got up after the director of the library did a, a general introduction, and Amy talked a bit about, you know, the book, the concept, and everything, and and then had each contributor stand up and introduce themselves, briefly talk about how they're related to New Haven, and then read for about a minute or two from their story. So that was really cool. That was a great, I mean, I'd read the book, and I still really enjoyed them reading it, which I was like, this is really interesting. Like, why? Because I like the story so much, because it was interesting to get a feel for the the person behind the story. Yeah. Because there was one of the stories I didn't particularly care for, because... I mean, it's a great story, but it agitated me. But oh, I think okay. it was supposed to agitate me. So it was great to see the author because yeah. that gave me a new vibe for the story. Right. So yeah. it was really neat. 
Well, you know, I should back up. You know, I, I always say I don't like to be read to. I don't mind being read to. I don't like to be read to for an extended period of time. Yeah. So I think it'd be cool to be in an event where, like, they're reading a page mm-hmm. or two of the... Because a minute or two is like a page or two, right? I mean, yes. it's not a lot. Yeah, it was, so. I think, at the most two page turns yeah. that an author made. So, I mean, to me, reading. that's perfect. And it does give you... Like, maybe they set the tone for the story in a different way. Yeah. You know, which is nice. Right. No, but it was, it was really interesting. I Great. enjoyed it very much. And one of the authors talked about how... Um, he went to Yale back in the 60s, and he talked about nowadays, junior year in college, a lot of kids go off and have their year abroad with what whatever program they're interested in. He's like, in the 60s at Yale, junior year was about living off campus, mm. and that was your that was your semester abroad. So his story is kind of dicey oh, about okay. living off of Yale campus in the 60s. That's so funny how times have changed. You don't yeah. have to go to Cambodia. You just I know. move out of the dorm. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, really yeah. great collection of stories. It just came out last, well, it just came out that day, um, th- last Thursday. And on the same day, another book from Akashic Books came out, Atlanta Noir. Oh. And that's edited by Tiari Jones, who oh, you've talked fun. about. Yeah, and who we met at um, yeah. Book Expo. Yeah. yeah. Or, well, you met her. At book, I've met her at a Booktopia in Santa yeah. Cruz like in 2012, but yeah. Yeah, so if you want to uh, check those out, it's New Haven Noir, there's Atlanta Noir, they have a whole slew. I know I have the Chicago Noir at home. I think they did two on Chicago. And as Amy Bloom said, she she was later, you know, they had general Q&A too. So one of the people in the audience asked, you know, what was it like to have New, New Haven as a prompt? Like, did you find it invigorating? Did you already have stories in mind? Um, so that led to some good answers. And one of the things that I like that Amy Bloom said is that a good story is a good story. And then you can shape it to be noir or whatever mm. subgenre you want it to be. And I mm. thought that was a really great point because one of the contributors did have a story written already that she showed to Amy as, you know, something potentially that could be shaped mm-hmm. to fit into the anthology. And it's actually one of my favorite oh, interesting. favorites in there. Um, but Amy said something to the effect of, you know, having a prompt and a reader and the hope of a home for your story is just like a very promising comfortable space to be for a writer mm. and i thought that was really interesting mm. yeah to, you know. yeah so huh. yeah fun time oh that's so cool i'm glad you went i'm sorry i missed it well they have a slew of other events coming yeah, up but they're gonna coming be to rj she's gonna be at rj i think yeah. at the uh barnes and noble at, or the yale bookstore oh, okay new haven library and other places too yeah i'm gonna try i'm gonna try because i'd like to get there and i like amy bloom a lot too mm-hmm. i just like hearing her talk so. yeah she was really yeah. awesome yeah. I, it was my first time seeing her i don't think i've ever read anything by her other mm-hmm. than her short story that was included in this anthology but i definitely want to read more I, I'm her. desperate to read her. I've gotten her out of the library so many times since I moved here. She lives down the road. Right. You know, yeah. it's silly, but I see her. I see her at my friend's restaurant all the time. Yeah. All right. Well, the night you were there, I was up in Norfolk, Connecticut, which is quite a schlep from here. It's an hour and a half. Um, I took my, my gentleman caller, who I've now gotten permission from, that I can use his name, which is Jim, <laughs> which I've already used several times today. Um, Chris just got to meet him. I did. He's a doll. Oh, thank you. I mean, we talked books for the longest time. It was great. Yeah, I think he yeah. might um, he might be able to speak the book language more than I can. He's quite well-read, oh, which is lovely. We talked yeah. about 
everything from Stephen King to Mark Twain. It was a really good conversation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was trying to impress my cougar pal. No, I think he was a little nervous. His knees were knocking. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so anyway, for his birthday, I got him a ticket to go up to the Speak Up event, which um, is run by Matthew Dix and his wife, Alicia Dix. They own this company called Speak Up Storytelling. Matthew has done a lot of story moth story um, slams and has been a Grand Slam champion. So I think in 20... 11, I want to say. They started this company. This is my fifth time going. Chris and I have gone together. And um, Infinity Hall in Norfolk is this really beautiful, old, historic building. And so it's a very intimate theater inside. And it, we we had fourth row seats and felt like they were just telling us the story, you know. And there were six storytellers, mm-hmm. including Matthew. They were all great. They ranged in age from... 70 to 30 and their stories were vastly different so it was a fantastic evening we really enjoyed it we spent the night up there at a beautiful bed and breakfast and then the next day I took him to the Norfolk library he was like wow you really have a thing for libraries don't you (laughs) I do but interestingly I have the I when I I took my son Jacob to this speak up event last year that took place at infinity hall and we missed going to the library it closes at 5, and we got into town at like 5.15. So I had looked at it from the outside. Going in is beautiful. It's based on the Trinity Library in Dublin, yes. which I have been to. Any of you listeners, if you get the chance to go to the Trinity Library in Dublin, it's fantastic. And we actually stayed on Tr- Trinity campus. They have these great oh. apartments. I mean, they're very right. dorm-like, mm-hmm. you know, but it was perfect for us. And so we were right there where the Trinity Library is, and... Um, and so it's this beautiful, like the, the ceilings are this curved wood, which just gives it a very like rich, warm feeling inside. And almost cathedral-like. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, it was built in 1888 and it was donated by Isabella Eldridge um, in memoriam to her parents to be used as a public library and meeting place. Interestingly, it's a private charitable organization. It is not a county library, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. So it's a great book. I, yeah. and I did a blog post on that library, so maybe we could link that so we people will. could see pictures of it. Yeah. And and just a funny story, the day that I was there, somebody was doing work on something and a doorway going up to that second story, the the balcony, uh the door was open and so I didn't know anything. I just kind of walked up and like the guy working, he kind of looked at me and we like smiled at each other and I walked up and I'm walking up on the gal. I think they call it the gallery. Yeah. I'm walking up there and looking at the books. I'm like, wow, this is great. He's like, wow, that railing is really low. <laughs> you know, that wouldn't fly these days. Um, I'm walking, and all of a sudden, like, I see the librarian's head come around the corner. He's like, um, you're not supposed to be up there. It's like, oh. oh. It's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. So I came down, and he finished with his patron. And then, then we got to talking. I was like, so sorry. I said the door was open. I had yeah. no idea. He's like, oh, that's okay. He's like, just for insurance purposes, we can't have people up there. So we talked a bit about the library and its history. And nice. it's just a beautiful place. It has gorgeous stained glass. Yeah. It's and, beautiful. Yeah. We sat down in a leather chair and just kind of in the YA section and just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, gazed at the glass. And yeah, it was ra- a really rainy day up there yesterday, mm-hmm. so it also just kind of made it feel even kind of warmer in a certain way. You just wanted a spot of tea and yes. a crumpet, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so that was a fun little um, little gallivant mm-hmm. that we had. 
So yeah, just you know, on that note of, of it being a private library, um, when I lived in Illinois, one of my missions was to try and visit all the Carnegie libraries. Oh yeah. They in Illinois and in the Midwest, I did a couple other states. And um, what's interesting is here in Connecticut, there are not that many Carnegie libraries because mainly in the nineteenth century, all these wealthy people created libraries, memorial libraries quite often mm-hmm. for somebody they loved or just as a gift to somebody mm-hmm. or a gift to the town. So that's been an interesting thing, too. I've kind yeah. of abandoned my Carnegie mission, and I'm just trying to hit all the beautiful libraries. Well, Carnegie was an industrialist, too, and so I wonder if it was just that the focus was more on um, industrial cities was well it? no it was more on, on it, most of them are not well there were some in cities but it was about spreading access to books throughout the country so there were new england in general was pretty well populated with libraries but connecticut in particular massachusetts okay. are really heavy with these memorial gotcha. libraries that wealthy people in the communities created for their community gotcha. so yeah. those were kind of set already and so um Carnegie was more about creating libraries in towns where there wasn't one. Gotcha. Or maybe yeah. there was, I found a couple that had maybe small associations uh, that people pooled their books together or had a subscription. And it might even be just a room in a building somewhere. And that was the library until they were applied for a Carnegie grant to get one built in their gotcha. town. So, yeah. I mean, he really cool. did amazing things yeah. in getting libraries yeah. out there into the entire country and some people think that it was guilt money because he was a very wealthy industrialist who didn't exactly have really good, um, didn't take very good care of his employees, yep. anti-union kind yeah. of person. But he grew up with books, and books were such an important part of his life as a young person and as an adult, too, that he did want to spread that. So yeah. I try to have a balanced view yeah. of of that and not yeah. think that he was the devil, as yeah. some people think. I have mixed feelings. Yeah. yeah. I think he could pay have paid his employees more, but that's okay. That's Don't get me on that soapbox yeah. today. Upcoming adventures. <laughs> Upcoming adventures. <laughs> A week from tomorrow, I am heading up to Craftsbury Common, Vermont, and um, there is a bookstore in Hardwick, Vermont, that I'm hoping to visit called Galaxy Bookshop. So that's on my list. And then also on August 22nd, Bank Square Books and Mystic Museum of Art in Rhode Island. No, is that? It's that's Mystic Connecticut. Camp, I'm yeah. sorry. Are um, doing a joint um, event about with a book called Cooking for Picasso by Camille Aubrey. Mm. And it's a fictionalized account of a woman who was a cook for Picasso. But she uses both fictional and historical characters in the book. Oh, very so cool. it is right up my alley. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know that I can have the book read by August 22nd because I have, you know, Grapes of Wrath amongst <laughs> other books to get through. But um, but I'm really hoping to get to that event. I, maybe you can come with me. Yeah. When is it again? August 22nd. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if, she, obviously the book will probably have, obviously listen to me, but maybe it'll have period recipes in there and uh, i hope so yeah and it's all supposed to take place you know he lived on the french riviera and it was a certain point in time where this woman ondine was her name was doing some cooking for him and i think the the conceit of the novel is that it's like this woman finds out that her grandmother ondine like you know it's her granddaughter realizes you used to cook for picasso i want to know about this Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's kind of how the story 
it goes back and forth in time, kind of one of those stories. Yeah. But, um, cool. Yeah. So that should be fun. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I have a, a really exciting event coming up. I I don't think I don't know if you said you could go or not. So it could be a joint John. I'm yeah. not really sure, but it's the Willa Cather Foundation is going to be in New York City um, on Governor's Island. They're doing a, a Willa Cather Day in partnership with the Empire State Center for the Book. So Fun. it's August 19th and 20th. Governor's Island is an island just off the tip of Manhattan. Right. You have to take a ferry. You can take a ferry from Manhattan or from Brooklyn to get there. So they're going to have a couple events. Well, actually four events on Saturday. Um, it starts at 1130. There's going to be a talk about Willa Cather's life and letters. Because for those of you who are Willa Cather fans, you know the controversial a book of her letters, uh, selected letters of Willa Cather came out just a couple years ago, and she had it stated in her will that her letters and private papers could not be quoted. So kind of controversial. Uh, and then at one thirty, there's going to be a presentation about her poetry. So Willa mm. Cather, poet, making herself born, because her first published book was a collection of poetry, which a lot of people yeah. don't realize. Yeah, April Twilights. It came out in 1903. Wow. So that will be a dis- uh, a presentation by a scholar at one thirty. Oh, I'm sorry, that was at one thirty. At two thirty, there's going to be selected readings from the Song of the Lark, and then at three thirty, selected readings from My Antonia. Oh, nice! And they're going to have, I think, book giveaways and some, not chashki. What would you say? Book swag. Book swag type yeah. giveaway things, and I'm really looking forward to it. Sunday is going to be. They, they have three of the events starting at 11.30, the one about the letters and then Song of the Lark and My Antonia, but it doesn't look like they're doing the, the poetry event on Sunday. So okay. check it out. Yeah. You can go to the Willa Cather Foundation, go to their website, go to their Facebook page. And, and I'll put links in the show notes yeah. to all that. And I'll be there. I'm volunteering as a because I'm a member, and they sent out an email to members saying if you're interested. How fun. So I jumped on that because, you know, as somebody who lives on the East Coast, it's really hard to volunteer. Yeah, for <laughs> so, Willa Cather. Yeah. So do you know what you're doing or it's just like I'm going to show up and I'm for this hour? I told her like, I would be available both days, one day, whatever she needed, perfect. whatever they needed. And probably I'll be setting up chairs, handing out pamphlets, yeah. telling people where to go, that kind of thing. So. How fun. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah, I'll have to that. look and see. You know, Jacob's coming back into town this week and I'm not sure. What's ahead with yeah. all that? But um, maybe I'll join you. That would be That'd really be fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it because Governor's Island has an interesting history. It was it's a small island, yeah, and they made it a little bit bigger with some landfill at the turn of the century. About, but it was instrumental in the Revolutionary War, and then up until like 1960s, it was an army base, and then from the 60s to like maybe the 90s, it was a Coast Guard state base. And then now it's a park, mm-hmm. and they have, I guess, a historical tour through some of those old structures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they do, they're doing this literary That's event. Fantastic. So, yeah. And I don't know much about um, the Empire State Center for the Book. Yeah. I thought that might be an interesting, interesting organization for us to scope out. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely put it in the show notes, and I'll take a look at it while I'm doing yeah. that. Yeah. Awesome. And then the the other thing I have coming up is uh, this Thursday, August 10th at 6, Sarah Prager is going to be at Book Club Bookstore and more up in South Windsor. And that that is the book, Queer There and Everywhere, which I've talked about in past episodes. And 
it looks like I might actually be moderating the event, having a conversation with her. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's so exciting. And I can't go. I know. (laughs) I'm excited for you, though. That's great. So it's been a great bookish. Yeah. Another great bookish month. Leading into another great bookish month. Yes. (laughs) I have two upcoming reads. Do you have any, Chris? Upcoming reads. Wow. I have I'm one. just hoping to get through the four or five I'm I know. reading. Well, actually, I have three because of The Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. Which I right. That is an upcoming read for me, too. Yes. <laughs> and then I have The Bright Hour, A Memoir of Living and Dying by Nina Riggs, which I read about in the Times book review, and it just sounded so good. And then The Arrangement by Sarah Dunn. That's D-U-N-N. And I think that's a book about, it's fiction, but it's Mm -hmm. about infidelity, maybe couples who've been married a long time or something. It just kind of intrigued me. I've heard it it talked about on a couple podcasts, and I just got it borrowed from the library. All right. Well, other than Grapes of Wrath, um, Louise Penny has a new book coming out August 29th called Glass Houses. It's her gamache series continuing. So I'm actually taking that day off. It's a national holiday in my home. And I will be doing nothing but reading really? that book. Yes. I did that last with her last book too. So and do you do you go and like you have a you go and buy it at the bookstore? Yeah. Right? Okay. I'll probably go buy yeah. it first thing in the morning and nice. then and you'll read do you can you get through it in a day? I might. Yeah. Depending on my mood and what's yeah. going on and I think Laura might be out of town, so I'll just have dog duty. <laughs> well, no, not to bother you that day. I need to write that date down on the calendar. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to that book because awesome. I, I love that series. She's prolific. She really puts one out a year, doesn't she? Does, she does, yes. Yeah. She puts yeah. one out a year. That's great. I think fans would probably go into crisis if you know she had to skip a year. I think it's pretty amazing that she is able to get one out because her husband passed away yeah. this last year. So for her... You know, I think she did find comfort in her work. And mm-hmm. It'll be interesting as you read it to see if there's any sort of change in tone, mm-hmm. though, because of that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's... Uh, and I think, you know, she's had it mapped out. I think it's the case that I hear a lot from writers who write a series is that they're writing a book, and with each book they write, more ideas come up for more books. So they have to really... I mean, yeah. it helps them plot things yeah. out, but then yeah. they have a big vision. And I think she might be one of those writers who does have a big vision to begin with. Yeah. So. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, looking oh, forward to that. Cool. That is something to look forward to. And and lucky for you that our Grapes of Wrath read-along read is done before that. It is, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Now, I do have to start the Grapes of Wrath. I was planning on starting it, I think, Monday. Yeah, me too. Think, I'm going to start it this coming yeah. week, for sure. Monday? Yeah. Was it this Monday? I don't know. I put it on my calendar. I'm trying to pace it out. Right what are you anticipating about the Grapes of Wrath? Do you have any, like... You know, when I read Steinbeck, him? I usually kind of get lost in his writing. I really like his writing style. So mm-hmm. I'm afraid. Like, I don't... I loved East of Eden so much that I'm a little afraid. But then when our friend Kate posted that, you know, I think I mentioned that she posted on Facebook about the Grapes of Wrath and posted a picture of her book and everything that there was such positive feedback about it. Then I was like, okay, Emily, I don't really think you should be losing sleep over whether or not yeah. you're going to like this book. Just crack the binding, yeah, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm anticipating really liking it. Okay. What about you? 
I'm anticipating liking it. I'm anticipating being a bit depressed by it because it is a, you know, about the Great Depression. Right, right. And um, I know when Laura and I drove Route 66 a couple of, well, years ago, probably maybe even 10 years ago now, uh, you know, and you get to the border of California, they have border guards there. And they ask you if you have any fruits, vegetables, because they're really trying to keep out on invasive species coming in. Uh, but we, you know, talking with one of the guards there, like he talked about how people, when they got there and they got turned away at the border, some people just walked into the desert and died because mm-hmm. they had nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And, and like just driving some of those little roads to get from Texas, Oklahoma mm-hmm. to California, like it's so dusty. Yeah. And, you know, we were in an air conditioned Ford right. Escort, you know, right. like yeah. to think about the vehicles that people were driving yeah. in and the heat. Yeah. And the and what cars were capable of back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, that visceral being yeah. there, smelling things, feeling the heat and the dust. I'm looking, I'm not, it sounds sick to say I'm looking forward to that. It sounds like disaster tourism or something. <laughs> but, you know, I love reading a book where a, a book takes me places. Yeah. And I do know that this yeah. book will take me somewhere. Right. And, you know, every once in a while I have to read about things that aren't cupcakes. Yes. So, you know, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. I know when Jim and I were in the, in the, on the porch talking about Stephen King and Justin Cronin's The Passage, Emily was like, cupcakes, cupcakes. I want to think about cupcakes. I mean, they were like, they were like, Emily, you'd love this book. And then they started talking about, you know, like people creeping out from the walls and Getting the sand. Getting fingers cut off. And like, yeah. Cupcakes. <laughs> everybody um we hope that you have a good couple of upcoming weeks of reading yes happy Happy reading thanks so much for listening to the book cougars with emily fine and chris wallach if you have questions or comments please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com you can also find us on facebook instagram or twitter under book cougars please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us It can help other listeners find us. Thank you.